Hello and welcome to Series 4 of the Igniting Change podcast. It's been another tumultuous year as we come to grips with a global pandemic and its myriad repercussions. Through it all, Igniting Change has continued to work hard to bring about positive outcomes for the unseen and unheard in our community. Melanie Shepherd is a freelance writer and a volunteer for Igniting Change. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Celia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. While many people were doing a bit less than usual during lockdown, you and some of your friends were busier than ever doing a special job for Igniting Change. Would you mind outlining for us what you've been up to? So I I connected with Igniting Change last year during the first lockdown where we distributed toiletry packs to some of the organisation that Jane is associated with. So I had a a pretty light involvement with Igniting Change. And then this year, the, the second lockdown hit and it was a completely different feel and circumstance around it because of the COVID variant. There was a lot of fear in the community. And I can remember speaking with Jane about it and she was... I wouldn't say she was frightened, but she was very concerned because those communities that were already living with a disadvantage were now more isolated than ever. And one of those communities was out in Footscray and it was being represented by a charity called Africause and Africause is run by a gorgeous man called Burhan Ahmed. And he was going out to homes and families that were completely cut off, no access to any resources. Some people hadn't eaten for days and he had reached out to Jane and expressed his you know, concern. There was a diabolical issue over in the Western suburbs and Jane communicated that with me and she was very, very careful to stress that we have to be in this for the long haul. This is not a fast race. This is going to go on for a long time. So we spoke with Africors and asked them to tell us what their top eight essential food items are, non-perishable food items, and we identified what they were. And together with three of my my close girlfriends, we committed to doing 10 weeks of deliveries out to Africals in the Western suburbs. And it started off, Celia, as Facebook requests. We would put on our social media that we're looking for tuna, we're looking for rice, pasta, whatever. And we had a drop-off point in Malvern and one in Elwood because of the five-kilometre rule. Or you could send vouchers to us via email. And the first four or five weeks, we collected thousands of items of food and thousands of dollars in vouchers. And we would take a convoy of cars out to Footscray every Friday and deliver to Burhan and a bus. And they would then take those donations out to directly out to the families or to the towers. Then after about five weeks, the donations were starting to soften up a little bit. So I contacted some friends of mine at the Red Drop Group who own the grocer supermarkets and explained the situation. And, And together we came up with this Igniting Change Care Pack. You could go online and for $20, you could buy a pack that had 13 food items and they would be delivered to the Brighton Grocer. And from there, we would collect them. We, they gave us the use of their truck. And every Friday, we would take out the items to, to Africals again. And that campaign lasted for about five weeks, actually lasted until last week. And I think we, we raised over a 1,000 packs. How much of a difference did it make having that ease of ordering of the packs, making it an online thing rather than people having to drop stuff off. It was fantastic because we could promote this outside of our networks. So we went to the Rotary Clubs, we went to our local MP, Josh Burns, we went to our school community. We didn't have to depend solely on the people we knew. 
the outreach was so much more. It also allowed people to get involved and buy a pack or buy 200 packs to do as little or as much as what they wanted. And what did you find in terms of people's willingness to help and also their awareness of the sorts of problems that are happening? I actually think that uh, I've seen probably the best in humanity during this lockdown. If there's ever to be a silver lining, everyone wanted to do something, but no one knew what they could do to make impact. Also, people have got, you know, various levels of what they can commit to, because let's face it, we all got hit on some level. I don't know of anyone in my community, I mean, people who haven't spoken to for years were sending vouchers through, were buying packs, were dropping off donations to the drop-off points. And I think if anything can come out of that second lockdown, it's united communities for a greater cause. And what do you think that it's given you personally? I, I live a life of privilege, but I've certainly experienced trauma in my life. And it's been in those times that the help and the love of, of people around me got me through the other end. And I've always wanted to be that that source of love and kindness for other people. And I've always tried to do it in my everyday life. But this platform gave me an opportunity to really feel like I was making a difference in the life of other people. And I'm really grateful to Jane for trusting me to do that as well, because, you know, you don't want to let anyone down. There are people relying on you. Um, and she believed in me enough to to know that I would do it properly and do it with consideration and respect and and see it through to its duration. So for me, it's been an extension of the person I want to be, to be honest with you. The sorts of stories that you heard through AfriCorps and in other areas, what impact did they have on you? Yeah, I felt a, a very deep commitment, to be honest with you. We were really lucky that Burhan would share photos with us of people receiving the donations, children or, or mothers or, or families. And we just felt such a heart connection to those people. You know, there were some really sad stories and it opened my mind up to parts of the world that are really, they're 10 minutes over the Baldy Bridge. They're not that far mm. from me, mm. but it's like a developing nation. You know, these people are so cut off. They didn't realise what was available. You know, lockdown to us means lockdown with computers and phones. To a lot of those people, lockdown means you are locked down, you're isolated. There are language barriers, there are mental illness barriers, and a lot of these people are very proud. They don't like to ask. Mm. So it was definitely a very steep learning curve for me and everyone that was involved. And and also the, we got very involved with the Caulfield Grammar community. So the students were very much involved in the process of, of collecting donations and hearing the stories about the recipients of the packs. And I think it was a learning experience for all of us. And now, in terms of your association with Igniting Change, what do you expect will be next? Well, that'll be up to Jane. I mean, I, I'm in for the long haul. I've always done this kind of work. I've been very involved with Sacred Heart Mission for a number of years. But there's something about Jane, which I'm sure you recognise as well. It's infectious. Mm. It's infectious. She looks at you and it's like she's looking directly into your soul. And what that means to me is I can work with Jane and be authentic. You know, I can be myself. I can have my my good days and my bad days and she'll take me either way. She makes me want to be a, a much better person. So it works for me. It's a great fit. So what we know about igniting change is there's always something on the go. 
and I have made myself available to Jane in whatever capacity she needs me to be in. Melanie, you've touched before on your own experience with hard times and you've written about your experience of burnout. Tell me about that time and tell me about how you think that's impacted the way you are now. You know, I'm 51 years old now, so hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think Silly, it's more to do with being authentic and being true. And I think for many years, I tried to be what I thought people wanted me to be. And I wasn't true to myself. You know, I was very obsessed with my career. I was very obsessed with with making money, with with looking the part, with with acting the part. And it it all fell apart. And I was left a very broken person. And as I write, I think maybe in the piece you're referring to. One wonderful thing that happens when you fall apart is you get to put yourself back together again in the form that best suits you. And, and while your, your edges might be a little sharp and there's, there's gaps and cracks, it's me in my authentic space, in my authentic being. And I think it's just made me real. It's made me want to be the person that I was put on this earth to be and not what other people wanted me to be. Mm. It was a gift in a way. I wouldn't have had people like Jackie and Jane and and the girls I've just done this campaign with, Emma and Lisa and Michelle, I wouldn't have had them come into my life if I was the person prior to my breakdown. With your own daughters, how do you try and educate them about that issue of trying to be something that other people expect you to be? I know it's a a difficult thing for everyone, but particularly I think for young people and, and especially for young women. Well, when I got sick, you know, my girls were very aware of it. And so it's a very much an open dialogue in our family, the importance of managing our mental illness and why it was that I had a breakdown because I wasn't, I wasn't being true to myself. So I'm constantly checking in with my girls. You know, they have also not lived in a bubble. They've been exposed to a lot of hardship. They come out and, and deliver donations with me. They've been involved with the Sacred Heart Mission. I don't shield them from the sadness in life because that's our reality. It's an open dialogue in my family and I think when you put ego to the side, I think that's the most powerful tool we can give our children is to understand how damaging ego is. I noticed that you've also had a visit up to Children's Ground in Central Australia. What was your experience there? It was life-changing. It was incredibly informative and it was beautiful and all of that, but I walked away feeling I didn't know where, I, where my place was in Australia. Mm. because I I think I had put my head in the sand for so long because the reality of the Australian history is just so diabolical. So I came back again really determined to walk alongside First Nations people to not do what I think I should do but ask them what they want me to do. Just my whole thinking around it changed and and I am very committed to seeing that through for as long as, as I can advocating for them where I can and holding space for them when they need space held. How do you go about talking to your friends and family about the things that you've seen and experienced with Igniting Change? Well, you know, you've got to be ready to receive that information. So you, know, you, you choose your audience. I think what I've, I've loved about Igniting Change so much is that it represents so many different communities. So whether your heart be with homelessness or with First Nations people, there's something for everyone to connect with and it's so broad. So the people that I've brought into Igniting Change, just as Alison Gibson brought me into Igniting Change, 
they've all been drawn to different communities. The Bridget group with the new home that they're setting up in Barclay Street. I've got a group of girlfriends who are busy, you know, getting linen and artwork for that. Or some people are, are more connected to First Nations people. So there's, there's such a wide variety of communities. And with each one, there are so many so many lessons and so many life lessons that we can learn. How do you describe igniting change to people? Because I know that sometimes I struggle for, for the right words to encapsulate what it is. I have described igniting change as a gateway to communities that are experiencing disadvantage. And there's so many different layers of what you can do with igniting change, whether it be through philanthropy or whether it be like myself, which is really hands-on, grassroots. I think Jane welcomes everyone as long as they come with an open heart and with a, a good intention. There's, there's something for everyone to get involved with. What would you say would be the one thing that Igniting Change has taught you? Igniting Change has opened my mind to representation, how we use must use words, how important the use of linguistics are when describing people experiencing disadvantage. I have learned through Igniting Change incredible lessons of resilience and I have met extraordinary people who are sometimes the benefactors of the donations we give. But these, you know, Rosa out in North Melbourne, these women have lived lives, extraordinary lives of survival and community and respect. And what we see as maybe a disadvantage is I see those women and a lot of the people I meet as so much more advantaged than us in so many different ways. First Nations people, I, I know Jane says in one of her books that they refer to elders rather than the elderly. And mm. that really hit a nerve for me. The respect I saw those children have for their grandmothers up at children's ground. And in Australia, we put them yeah. into aged care facilities. Yeah. So it's it really opened my mind and uh, it's made me check myself and my, my own privilege and, and question what I can do to help others. Well, Melanie, you've done an amazing job over the lockdown and I've no doubt you'll be associated with Igniting Change for a long time to come. I'm so happy that you've had this experience and that you are spreading the word in such a wonderful way. So thank you and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Celia. That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. And remember, see the person, not the label.